Hello and welcome to episode 14, take two, of AngelCast with uh, me, Adam Kunis. Me, Alex Nelmaninlay. Hey, marriage. Very good. And uh, George Newbold. Hey, George. Um, we've been away for a little while. I actually did record an episode on my own a few weeks ago and I had knocked the uh, very expensive microphone cable that I had, so it sounded like someone was throwing some needles and rocks downstairs constantly so you won't get to hear about that um today we're going to be talking about the age of signal well, it was the needles and rocks special though so you know, yeah it was yeah. um yeah uh it was, it was the best way of dealing with mega gargants <laughs> um so yeah we're going to be talking a bit about the age of Sigma in um, match play. In narrative, we're going to be talking uh, about, well, I imagine George is going to be telling us a little bit and we're going to be reflecting on what we've seen so far about Inquisitor 2. Um, I can't remember what the campaign's called, so we'll get to that. Um, and then in open, um, we're going to be having a bit of a chat about Necromunda. Um, so yeah, back to all systems firing, uh, apart from the fact that no one is going to be playing any games in person anytime soon. Uh, so Merry Christmas, uh, and we'll be back after this. Welcome back. Uh, in today's uh, match play section, as ever, we're going to be talking about the third edition of The Age of Sigma, um, which I think is well good. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, so on to your <laughs> No, we've had we've had quite a lot of opportunity to. Uh, well, some of us have had quite a lot of opportunity to play quite a lot of games of Age of Sigma. In the last episode, you'll have had the uh, build up to the London Grand Tournament, um, which was a really interesting experience. Um, within which we realised that you can do matchups as well as you want, and you can have someone as smart as Kieran running the matchups. And in fact, you can get all green matchups for your whole team, and still lose the round. If you've brought three melee armies to uh, an event where everybody's got shooting and giants, yeah. so uh, yeah, bring lists that actually can also win games of Age of Sigma to team events, uh, not just lists uh, that seem fun. And is the, is the moral of that that you just didn't is that you had three melee armies and therefore it wasn't suitable for matchup, or is it because there is now shooting meta and it's back and Welcome. The former, so it wasn't suitable for matchup. Each each opponent had like a luminette list with thirty sentinels, and that's fine. fine. Um, but fine. then there was other stuff. I mean, the net has shifted since September. It, you know, this, this is old news at this point. Um, we've had both the Stormcast and um, Walkerlands books and the Nurgle book since, and um, probably by the time this episode hits your ears, we'll have the Winter FAQ as well. So it's very much a, a, a former uh, meta. I mean, when you say um, when you say Warclans, of course you mean the Iron Jaws book that just has some other units in. Which, I mean, yes and no. I I, I, I suspect that in a in a team's meta, we we're, we're likely to see Cruel Boys. Um, I think the the Mortal Wound shooting poison spam is incredibly mm. good. I, I actually think it's better than Lumina in terms of shooting, um, like fairly significantly better because they've got more survivability. Um, the actual model per model, they're cheaper, so they're, they get better return from stuff like Rally. Um, and they have, you know, cheaper monsters that you can throw at people and do fighting. Um, I think Lumineth are, are never going to be a kind of two two wins, three losses kind of an army, but I think they're 
potentially likely to have fallen pretty sharply from lots of fours and fives. Um, certainly um, at the Leicester GT, Lumineth were, there were several cookie cutter internet Lumineth lists on the very bottom tables um, and not doing that's, very that's smart. That's because it's a hard army to play well. Yeah. Right. Like I, I mean, I played a game against you, which was like the dirt, like the dirtiest game of proxy hammer. Like, <laughs> it was a cunning ruck, but with like pointy ears painted on their hats, right? And I think I was using like uh, an orc catapult as a her, like a spirit of the wind. Mm -hmm. Like it was all on the right bases, but I mean, yeah. Um, despite like it was. And I did really badly and got like my my excrement pushed in by your um by your stonehorns because it turns out. So I, I was running Beast Claw Raiders at um London GT and and even at that point they'd fallen out of what I think they need to be in the meta. Lewis Swan did really well with Boulderhead, which listeners will know I've been running Blood Gullet, and um they just don't hit hard enough, don't stick around long enough. There's so much output in the meta. Um, you need to reliably finish things off, and I find that ogres do a lot of damage all over the table. But actually, yeah. you're missing battle tactics if you don't like. If you miss one of those horn attacks on the charge, you, you know you're missing four damage. Yeah. Which you know, with the abundance of kind of DPR and ward saves in in the meta, mm -hmm. and like, I, fine, I'm gonna I'm gonna say now, let's try and get bring it down. Well, then it's finest hour, and the save stacking is a bit of a problem. A lot of the Beast Claw stuff is only rend one or two. Um, mm -hmm. It's very difficult to get access to reliably getting through those high saves. Mm -hmm. And in turns where you're not charging, you're not doing mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. um, I played a practice game with Tim Willoughby recently um, of the new Stormcast Dragons, which odds, you know, looks from what was happening down at um, Cardiff this last weekend at Blackout, looks like dragons are going to really be as shit hot as everyone was expecting they were going to be. But Ogres just are a red matchup for them. Mm. You know, you can Well you be, don't have a ward save today. You don't have um, a ward save. If you can be minus one to hit, minus one to wound, great, well done, dragons. You're still sometimes just gonna get hit by four stonehorns all rolling a 12-inch charge, and that can spike. You can just lose your army, right? Mm. Um, I think they're really powerful and frightening, but there's already stuff in the game that and bearing every time you lose a dragon, you're giving up a point. Um, yeah, yeah. Additionally, you may yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like if, if you're doing that on the charge, like the stand and shoot from Sentinels or something, you it's pretty scary actually. Um I, I think we are gonna see Stormcast doing really well, and I think dragons are a large part of that. But I think the points increase has put them to somewhere where they are manageable within the meta. Um they're still gonna have matchups, of course, where they just completely table somebody. And I would hate, I think, to be piloting um Skaven or Gits or Beast of Chaos or Slanesh against them in particular. Um, but I mean, it would be fair to say a lot of those books, a lot of those, you know, uh, you kind of don't want to be playing Gits just generally as a as an out and out Gits player who, yeah. you know, is currently painting a Git. And, yeah, it's, it's um, good. And you know, I've um, I, I'd love for the Gits book to be at least like a two two three. Uh, but mm. it's, okay. yeah, it's you're really struggling to like they were much better in AOS two um, yeah. than they are in AOS three, and even in AOS two they were bang average. 
I think that's one of the things that's really surprising me about the addition actually is at the beginning I was so convinced that there was play across all the tiers and you were seeing re- quite surprising results from previously weaker in inverted commas armies because of their ability to achieve battle tactics very cheaply so cities of sigmar is doing incredibly well because they have units or access to units within eight teleports with fast move with bodies mm. whereas gits is always used to be much more of a kind of zonal play where it's like i can get my one unit in the way well you now can't string out and actually so something like savage spearhead you have to get hand of gork off twice to get that and actually most of the army that's fast in inverted commas is it's roll 3d6 that's how far you're going so in terms of like reliably being like i'm gonna score this it's just not happening no for now um now yeah we'll we'll see i i think i i suspect that there's there's some help coming for that book in the kind of next 12 months oh yeah Um, i mean we know there's a new book coming next year anyway it's just whether mm. they get decent help in the winter faq and if um points are enough to kind of put enough things on the table um i suspect not. what are your what are your takes on the winter faq you know alex is there anything particularly kind of you you would like to see going up or down kind of generally i, I say this tensively because i haven't had an opportunity because uh, because of uh, marriage, um, having had opportunity to play too many games. I mean, si- si- I agree with Adam's point that I had. A, I've only played about four games of the new edition, sadly. Uh, but again, you know, wedding planning was a thing. Um, you also had two, and one of them was abroad, right? So yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. Two, two to the same person for the listeners' benefit. It was a, right, yeah, important. Yeah. Um, but so the, my games, cities were efficient in the sense that I never felt like there was a battle tactic that I couldn't aspire to go for. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly in Tempest Eye, because I also could then get in a boat with some dudes to start teleporting fairly that decent was damage. So good. It was good and it's a great um addition. However, my core army is, and I'm a, a, a bit like you're an out and out Gitz player, I'm an out and out carriage and overlords player, really. Um, and I am struggling. I've, I've tried to build a few lists, but I'm struggling to see aspirationally where the, the, the me achieving those battle tactics are going to lie. So will an FAQ fix that? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Could I maybe get a points drop in certain areas just to, you know, be a bit more aggressive? That might help. I don't know. Um, I, I think the but or at least something that gives me an, a, a, maybe a change to an allies matrix, maybe so I can start accessing metamorphosis to get monster on boats or something was what I was thinking, which um, mm. uh, it's I don't know. Down a hero, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, sure. So no. So um, no. I mean, so the way I've been looking at Caradron is it just I th- is it Barrack Thring that allows you to take one in four as fire slayers? Yeah, which um, do you know what frustrates me after selling my fire slayers because I always had a great conversion idea yeah. to do um, the half guard berserkers using the Palanite Enforcers kit, mm-hmm. so they were like steampunk yeah. riot, riot dwarfs. You still got your magma draft, or did you get? Or a... Yeah, no, I got my magma draft. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's a monster you can ally. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, like straight away, um, and also, not even ally in because it's one in four, and then you can presumably ally with Stormcast as well. So I mean, some something like having um, a Celestine Prime or um, 
Yeah. Just just anything to to bring bring in a useful. Mo- the problem is the monster then needs to not die, right? Because bringing a monster for the sake of it is, is a bit dumb. Because then you're ultimately just handing a kill point and a uh, battle tactic to your opponent. But that's exactly because I did look at the the magma droth bit, but I was like, it, they're not survivable enough innately on the war scroll mm-hmm. just to not give the points away. So part of me was like, is the future of Caradron a bit of a points drop and actually just be really shooting, know that you're not going to achieve many of the battle tactics, but not give too much away necessarily. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can achieve you can achieve Savage Spearhead for free. You can yeah. get Ferocious Advance very easily because yeah. you can run three characters on foot together. You should be able to do Bring It Down because you've got the shooting output and there's Brilliant. a lot of monsters out there. Brilliant. Slay the Warlord, I think nobody gets for free. I think that's the hardest one mm. to achieve of all. Caradron do we... also have access to some um, plus to hit if it's the target is a monster. Yeah. So there I is, think... you know... I think where books like that struggle is scoring the ones that are contingent on objectives and monsters scoring bonuses. So you're scoring two points for Savage Spearhead, not three. You're against Suns, you're immediately a point down. Doing Mm -hmm. playing the same game, not even attacking your enemy, you're a point down. Ferocious Advance, you're a point down. Mm -hmm. Um, Slay the Warlord. If you if your if your monster if your model that kills that isn't a monster, you're a point down. Um, It's that there's a lot of points that you don't get so i think rather than the faq george come back to your original question about books like that a white dwarf update that gives because eventually everybody's going to have battle tactics and grand strategies that are suited to their book right and i know so far a lot of tos haven't been allowing those necessarily in match play because it's not an even playing field yet but when it is I think then we potentially start to see some play for some, yeah, sure, different lists because they're going to have to be because the nature of how you score in the game has changed. But if you've actually got those battle tactics bolted on, that means that you can achieve them, then that's great. Um, I think we also need to recognise that the the plus one for monsters, uh, forgive me, this is a question, this is actually a question I say recognise. That's baked into the GHB, right? Those bonuses for monsters. Yeah. not baked into the core rules so but when we have a new season yeah i mean we're six months out from that yet but sure yeah, yeah that won't necessarily carry over because the battle tactics are in the pitch battles for 2021 so yeah. it will be a different set of battle tactics and grand strategies those are within those are within the gur realmscape features essentially mm-hmm. um so yeah we will have it till about july but i mean we you know we, we're about halfway through the season so we've got the winter faq coming up we're just going to rebalance things um simon was saying that it might move to like a, a 40k style thing where it's actually quarterly for age of sigma balance updates rather than six monthly which uh, i think starts to be a bit too often i think you need you know every every three months seems really often like how do you settle on a list and and play play to the best of your ability if the if the playing yeah. field has changed that quickly there's going to be a lot of events affected by that as well right so like if every quarter yeah. you've got a new F, you've got a new faq dropping you, there's presumably going to be a sway the tournaments to just say well we can't use it and then there's going to be tournaments that happen just afterwards where suddenly yeah. the list is not i mean i guess you just adopt the same approach that you do currently which is any lit any tournament that's on the weekend that the FAQ drops uses the former um, because list submission will be a week before and, and anything a week later, you know, you maybe extend the submission deadline um, until the Monday rather than the Friday or the Sunday. I mean, um, I, I, I thought six months was fine, personally. But... Yeah, I, I, w- I was going to ask, um, 
you know, on the slight, perhaps on a slightly different topic, um, you know, one of the people painting Age of Sigma wise, I know Adam's been uh, putting some very pretty photo photos onto Twitter. Um, he's also been painting dragons. Painting dragons. They're fun. <laughs> yeah, they're slow. I'd, I decided to convert them and turn them into proper Order Draconis Knights. Surprise, surprise. It actually was a surprise to me. It wasn't the plan at all. And Tim had a spare box of old dragon princes on the shelves and was like, just like waving it at me when I came in to pick up the dragons. And I was like, ah, oh, God damn it. <laughs> um, but I, I much prefer them the way I've done them, I have to say. Um, I've seen quite a few different elf conversions on Twitter, including Ricky Smith and someone else who I can't remember who they are, but it looked really cool. Um, so yeah, they're fun, but they're super slow. And at this time of year, I'm skin. So I'm not painting much for myself, unfortunately. So I'm finishing off my Lord of the Rings commission at the moment. Hmm. Which should look really good, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, it really did. Well, um, what about you, Alex? Have you been painting anything? Uh, I haven't been painting Age of Sigma. What I've been painting is for a later segment, um, i.e. Necromunda, um, uh, and, and it's Slash Inquisitor because it's terrain mostly. Um, my last AOS, however, uh, if, if I want to look, if I want to reflect back on the year a little bit because it is Christmas, I am I was super proud of myself of um, circling back to my Caradhran army and actually getting that done more or less. Yeah. Um, plus getting my cities army done, including the couple of griffs and um the pistoliers that have been and those I, I mean i got those models from sarah as a birthday present probably three years ago so coming up to it yeah yeah so it was um really great to get those but it did sadly lead to a little bit of a burnout when it came to painting aos so i've, I've mm. changed subject matter recently I think that was only two years ago, man. I think it just seems longer. It was because this time in 2019, everything was gravy, right? The city's book was only recently out. I, yeah. I think it was, I think it was Taylor in 2019. Was like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, what have you been painting, George? Well, so I've been painting my, um, so, so my wife um, somehow managed to get hold of one of the, um, uh, red gobbos, which was awesome. Basically, she went into the store without me having any knowledge and somehow managed to secure one before they immediately went out of stock, um, which was a good effort. And she even managed to get me the bauble that it goes in. So, like, yeah. once it's finished, it's going to hang on the tree, which is nice. going to be awesome. Um, well, the so, guy, the, the inside track on that is that the store manager knew that it would be a good thing for her to buy for you and had put it to one side when they first came in and then suggested to her that you might like it. It's almost like knowing your customers is good for business. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I actually wrote to Martin Morin and was like, the guy who runs the Games Workshop store in Bath is really good. <laughs> like, I was so impressed with his customer service when I came to visit you in the summer that I was like, hey, like. Well, I, I was going to say about that. So, um, so the main thing that I've been doing is actually kind of working with my school. So at school, we've set up um, a, a modeling club, which is not just Games Workshop, it's um, also Airfix and that sort of stuff. And, it, and it's really great to have um, an opportunity for kids who are like, you know, not the super sporty kids or, you know, whatever, to, to have an opportunity to come and do something fun. And um, lots of them are really keen on um, Warhammer stuff. And we've been really generously supported by the Warhammer Alliance, um, who yeah. are a... Um, who are run by Games Workshop. They provide uh, as essentially a starter box with, um, with models, paints, 
uh, brushes, like little intro packs, which have like a little kind of mini novel in, and it's all completely free. Um, so for anyone who's listening, who's, you know, maybe works, you know, maybe the Scout Club or, or anything like that, or wants to kind of, you know, recommend it to their school, it's, it's zero financial uptake. And, um, and it's really good fun. And the kids really enjoyed it. And um, they are much more keen on AOS than 40k, which I'm not unhappy about. So um, proud. So proud. Um, I, so, they're I, nice, I, so, they're, so they're nice children then? Essentially, I haven't shown them the Space Marine trailer, A, because it's an 18, and because the average age of the class is about 12, 13. But also, um, I don't want to kind of lose the what what yeah. I've got. Showing the Total uh, War trailer. Total, total yeah, War yeah, abso- yeah, absolutely. But um, but no, they're they're really enjoying it. So um, uh, you said you'd had some games with them. Yeah. So as part of the um Warhammer Alliance, they also provided us with some boards to play on. So, um, they've wow, given okay. they've given us uh, six Realm of Battle tiles, completely. Oh my free. god. Um, <laughs> that's like yeah. a full six by four as was right. Yeah, absolutely. And they've also given us a new, like, for 2021 box of um, Vindictors, um, again, all free, um, and some some new primary space marines as well. Um, so we had uh, two 500-point armies um, playing against each other. It was the first time the kids played it, so we had kind of teams of two. Um, kind of figuring out. I mean, there was there was zero shooting, which is not entirely reflective of the meta, but that's fine. Um, and um, I wouldn't say that the meta is a shooting meta. It's just you need to be able to deal with shooting. There's sure. enough lists in there that have it. Yeah, yeah. No, sure. So I'm being slightly more facetious, yeah, yeah. but um, but no, they they really enjoyed it, and um, I think the plan is that um, some of them might be kind of. Hopefully, I haven't caused too much trouble for parents being pestered <laughs> for, for buying stuff over Christmas. Dude, I've been to your um, school. Their parents can afford it. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. But um, but um, and then hopefully we're going to set up like a five hundred point league, so people That's can pick really up fun. armies. Um, there's someone who's been who's got like the Night Haunts, um, like easy build guy on the kind of wing dragon. I don't uh, know what Reich, he's Reichnor the Grimhaler. Nice. Very good. Um, so he's been he's been painting him up. So he's got him and some some chain rasps. Um, got yeah. a few kids who are going to be using like like the club stormcast, if that makes sense. So we've yeah. got a unit of vindictors, you know, liberators, and um, and you know that sort of thing, and and just um, just kind of learning to play, just having some fun, uh, which is you know what what it's all about at the end of the day. And um, and have you um, have you shown them your goblins yet? Absolutely not. No. Um, oh, okay. Yet. Okay. Um, my my thinking is at some point. So I'm currently painting up some um, uh, some cruel boys. Uh, so okay. I painted some hobgots and I've got some spearmen going. So I'll have like like a, an orc like starter army. Um, and then what I'm thinking is if they ever build up to 2,000 points, I'll just roll like, um, roll my more tribes out and just smash them. <laughs> King of the hill style. <laughs> no, but I'm, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, That's really cool. Um, one, of them asked me, one of them asked me the other day if I played and I said, oh, I've dabbled. Right. I mean, which is 
She's fine. Sure, yeah. Surely, um, if they literally Google your name in Age of Sigmar, it'll just come up on the bad dice rankings. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, bit of bit of thinking outside the box. They'll, they'll figure it out. No, they will. But um, but I'm really proud of like the fact that you know it's it's you know something I just started this term and yeah. they've really enjoyed it. Um, and you know Warhammer aside for a minute, there's lots of kids who've done like airfix. So we've had we've had quite a number of female students playing uh, joining the club as well, which is great. Um, some of them have uh, done some Stormcast models. Um, we've had um, some kids doing. Um, uh, Spitfires and uh, a couple of copies of Mary Rose and um, that sort of thing. So, so you know, it's been a real kind of mix of people doing stuff, but it's it's a really great opportunity. And I would, it's it's great uh, for for kind of mindfulness and well being, uh, especially with everything that's been going on. You know, kind of going out of your head into your hands is, as as we all know, is really great for your mental health. So I'm really pleased that it's kind of starting to pick up. Absolutely. No, it sounds amazing. Um, did you have a Warhammer club at your school, Alex? No. No, sorry, there was a club. It was a club of people who beat up the people who played Warhammer. Oh, that, that kind of Warhammer club. Right. It's called, nice. called Warhammer, Graham. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah indeed. It, I got more clubbed. Yeah. Clubbing. No, I, I just, I, I actually don't think, I don't think school club, I don't, the whole sort of school club scene. So GW weren't supporting it at that point anyway. Yeah. Um, and there was a little bit, the stores were where you went to, to, to go and play. I don't think anyone was um, like particularly able to play in schools. I don't, I don't, I, I suspect that not many of my teachers were particularly into it. I think that one mm -hmm. of the reasons that this is now a thing is because like point in case, George, we're all the age where we've now grown up and we are now the faculty as it were. Yeah. Um, so no, but it was great. It's great to hear what's been going on with uh, with that club and how well supported it's been as well. Because that's the other thing as well. Is I I yeah. I was just sorry. I, I lagged out a second. But I was just saying my long term goal is like would even be setting up like a local schools league. We lost you a bit there. I think what George is trying to say is that his long-term goal would be to set up a schools league. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It, which will be difficult. That, that was the one. Sorry. I, that's all right. Uh, I think, am I back now? Am you I seem to be, now? yeah. Hello. Good. Perfect. That's sorry good. about that. Oh, sorry. Are, are, are we keeping that in for dramatic effect? Or? No, I'm, I don't have enough time to edit that out. So um, just a, a bonus I, for the listeners. To answer your question, um, uh, sorry, not to answer your question, to come back on your point, I think the I think uh, uh, inter school league would be awesome, right? Because I, I mean, it's already exists for sports for obvious reasons. So there's obviously a network that exists between schools to, to do this, um, and you could have school for school team tournaments, yep. and you know, get get them on doing the matchups and things like that. It'd be great. And you said it doesn't have to be anything more than 500 points, a thousand points. If you just need mm. to do it in, a, in an evening, it's fine. So. Take um, Tim's uh, doubles format that he's trialing out at rule zero, which is where you have a team of four and you take one army from each grand alliance of, you know, whatever. And in each you play the, the three rounds and you play with a different one of your teammates in each round. 
Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, you, so you actually get to spend the time with each member of your team over the three games, and it's just a one-day format. Um, and yeah, so there's probably some horribly busted combinations between order and chaos, and then maybe there's some busted combinations between destruction and death, but it it isn't ever stable. Um, so it, it's kind of more funsies, but that that could be something yeah. interesting. Maybe. I think it's right. and then and then that way you got the kids hanging out with each other as well, which is the main point, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So that'd be cool. Um, Tim's hoping to run some of that in the new year, so uh, I'll probably talk about that in more detail in a later episode. Um, I had thought that we might just start season three in the new year, so I'm glad that we're able to just you know carry on at this point um, and get an episode in before Christmas. So well suggested, guys. Um, I think I don't have all that much more to say about the Age of Sigma, except to reiterate that in the absence of talking in detail about all the tournaments that have happened recently, I really do think that it is the best time in six years to be playing Age of Sigma. It's by far the best edition. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's it's just, it's yeah. so much more interesting. Um, and accessible. So, yeah, it, um, it's, it's super good. And I, I think it's super good, as George is saying as well, at, at lower points levels, which I'm not sure it always has been, the battle tactics really make it tactically interesting at 500 points, at 1,000 points, at 2,000 points. So, um, yeah, if you do manage to see anybody over the Christmas break and you've got a few models hanging around, um, like maybe seeing your brother or your sister or something, and you've got some models in the loft, download the rules. Like, play play some 500-point games. It's, well, it's, the, it's the, pretty quick. The app, the app is free um, yeah. currently and um all the rules are on there and so i got the kids using the app and um it was you know it's it's super straightforward and and you know 10 minutes of quick demo and then the kids were playing each other yeah and i was basically just walking around kind of doing a bit of refereeing and saying that's not how this works or answering questions great time to jump in i think um yeah we'll we'll maybe try and fit in another zoomed episode before christmas even next week if the winter faq comes comes out um we'll see um, is there enough data there is definitely enough data um, is there... I mean, we've got we've got more data on age of sigma 3 than we have omicron at this point um so and on that bombshell we're going to take a short break and we'll be back with the narrative section Welcome back. Um, so today in narrative play, we're going to give you a bit of a, um, a prelude, I suppose, to um, the second leg, I suppose. What, what would you call it? Day two? I suppose it's day three. Campaign two. Campaign two. Thank you. That's useful. Of Inquisitor, the battle for the Emperor's soul. I was going to call it the next chapter because okay. I feel that that kind of fits with the... Because I'm I'm gonna read I'm gonna write like a like a like a prelude essentially like a summary of the last campaign and and that can be will be like a recurring theme as well. Yeah. So you have to listen back to our former um, episode to uh, remember exactly what happened because it got quite intense. It got intense. It was intense. Great. I I've done that a lot over the last few weeks. Oh really? Yeah. It's a good episode that. Well, you think I've listened to it about four times now. So one of the things that's exciting me about it, and I imagine it's the same for you, is that um, the setting is shifting. Um, so yeah, Just obviously you, you, guys, you guys have read the pack now, or at least yeah. read the intro. So kind of, what are your thoughts on the setting? Um, and then, and then I can kind of 
answer some questions and not answer some questions, depending on spoilers. So my uh, take on it is I love the, I, I think you've done precisely what you need to do to carry on the kind of cloak and dagger black bag element of it by moving um, chapter two to the veiled region of uh, the Segmentum Tempestus. Um, for those who are not avid 40k law fans, uh, we did kind of allude to the fact that we're not massive 40k fans in the last section. We're massive fans of the law, to be absolutely clear. I think mm. it's fair to say we're not massive fans of the game Warhammer 40,000. Ah. Um, and what the essentially what's now happened is um, the setting has moved on to uh, the Veiled region, which is a region that's somewhere uh, just outside of the uh, sort of astropathic um, abilities of the Emperor of Mankind, and um, essentially, therefore, serves as a bit of a kind of a, almost like a pirate port, doesn't it, into use the sort of Pirates of the Caribbean analogy. Um, and it's yeah. become a bit of a kind of like a free reign city state, uh, city states um, and emerging there that obviously are aligned to the Imperium in name, but in praxis are um, kind of doing whatever they want. And we are focusing it on a spaceport uh, that goes by the name of Nimrod. Um, and Nimrod is, to me, uh, already a very rich setting, George. I think you've done a great job at giving it... Uh, it's a bit like what you want from a Star Wars episode. You want to... Uh, conducts a lot of world building in your head by having little tidbits and little clues and little breadcrumbs um and i love the yeah, fact absolutely. that it's essentially a bit of anarchical um uh kind of road trade road yeah. trader course and it's uh yeah, and, and obviously for one of my characters in particular it's crucial for her to be able to hide and carry on her nefarious dealings so mm. yeah well that was that was actually when I was coming up with the setting. I was like, right, well, where would uh, where would Vidco be able to hide? Where would she, um, where, you know, within the Imperium, she's got three Inquisitors chasing her, like to yeah. to hunt down the heart of Petrograd. And then where would you go? And the answer is, you would go as far away from the government as you possibly can. Um, but in terms of the setting, I essentially kind of went with I, I love Florentine history, um, which is features a lot in the in the background in terms of kind of the way that the government structure of Nimrod works. Um, so it's almost directly influenced by the idea of different guilds, which are linked to different road trip families, um, and that's kind of smashed with like Mos Eisley Cantina. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of how I envisioned it. <laughs> exactly exactly um definitely some people shooting first uh, absolutely um i think it, yeah I mean, well it's great for me as a player because you also while you want to steer the players in the you know steer the players hands to some extent because you've obviously got your own plans and um, you very kindly left it a little bit open-ended as to what Vidco may have been actually up to since she arrived, mm -hmm. uh, which is a great platform for me. So for those who, I, I do recommend going back and listening to uh, our summary of the first campaign, because we are probably just going to talk uh, about these characters meaningfully, like you already know who they are. Um, but Vidco essentially is is now in possession of a world weapon. Um, well, she thinks she is. She well, doesn't she really she is, know what yeah. the hell it is. Yeah. Um, it, um, it was kind of left a bit unclear as to exactly what it was. I mean, yeah. it, it, 
one of the things it can do is end worlds, but is that the only purpose or is it something else? You know? Yeah, I, I, I guess it's a world weapon in the in the, the, the eyes of the Imperium, in her eyes as a as a as a member as a uh, uh, a member of the Adeptus Mechanicus and specifically the Major's biologist, she um, uh, sees it probably as an opportunity. I would have thought. Mm. Um, but she's that also opportunity... got the faith virus too, hasn't she? She's uh, got sorry. She also nicked a couple. She also nicked a stash of faith virus. Well, this is it, and um, I think that the the potential as a as a kind of a Puritan. Um, geneticist go she's probably thinking well what can I um, achieve this and, and I think in her head what, what I like about her character is this is all the pursuit of knowledge it's not she's not I don't want it to be like a nefarious like rah, 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 going to destroy the world kind of thing that's not really what she's about she sees the at this point the the interference of these inquisitors as um essentially dampening progress so she's just gone wherever she needs to go where she can be off the radar and also have access to the resources she needs and that's exactly what this setting does and it, it will make for a um an interesting setting to, to experiment with because the way you've introduced it is um it's a little bit like do you ever see escape from new york yeah in fact, I think this one, I think it was the sequel, oh. Escape from Escape from LA, the Kurt Russell movie. And there yeah. is like that scene where the people who've been stranded in LA are uh who are the, the rich and famous, uh, have all had so much plastic surgery and they rely on these um kind of like plastic surgeons uh that have turned into a bit of a death cult, uh, who then started harvesting parts of um people that they catch elsewhere in the city. She's essentially turned into a bit, bit of a character like that. She, I, I sense that she's selling her services mm. um, to the wealthy heads of these guilds to try and elongate their lives or improve their um, bionics or even maybe come up with some bionics that utilises tech that's a little bit sort of black market and a little bit off, off the radar. So she's kind of slightly embedded into their society which just makes it really cool and, and of course you know they'll want to they'll want to protect her as well because they're like she is a she is a very useful asset and she won't they won't want yeah. inquis inquisition coming and 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 i think and i and i think and i hope this seg segues maybe into saying a little bit more about what the plans are but i get the impression she probably also knows where the skeletons are buried which means they've got a vested interest in her not being captured mm. yeah. quite quite Absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing is with the faith virus, and I, I, I agree with you, Alex, in terms of like her motivation, you know, this faith virus has been proven to, to restore dead tissue. Well, there is definitely within the Imperium someone who could do with some dead tissue restoration. He's a pretty dead so, guy. Yeah. Like, so, so, you know, long term, is she the hero? Yeah. Um, and I think she would very much see herself as almost like having transcended the imperial creed a little bit at this point. absolutely she's not the hero like re resurrecting zombie hitler doesn't doesn't make you a hero <laughs> like, i think it's probably more arrogant it's more it's more can it, it's more can she do it not should she that's yeah the, yeah like that that's where it's at for me, what's really interesting about the setting was obviously the the inquisitorial agencies uh, piloted by myself, uh, Rob and Mike, have plenty of reason to arrive in Nimrod in order to deal with um, uh, to deal with your Magus Biologus. Uh, but 
there's obviously something else going on at Nimrod. Mm. Like we're going there for a reason that we we're all kind of going, oh yeah, of course we've got to we've got to follow this up and we need to deal with this. And she stole the faith virus and she's got this like horrible, massive, like Necron Gorse style like atomic bomb. Um but she's gone there. It's obviously a place that stuff is already happening. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to be really intrigued as to the different directions we get pulled in. And I, I would be, uh, I mean, I, I put enough faith in you, George, as a storyteller and as a, as a DM that it's, it's unlikely that any of the plans we have going in or any of the expectations for our characters are remotely going to be um, carried out in this second part. I mean, I, I think you'll see, but there's I, you're right that there's a lot more than meets the eye. So the name of the campaign is the the Lethal Embrace, um, which is uh, which is partly a, a, a reference to opera, um, um, and as you'll probably know, Adam, in opera, most of the characters in opera don't normally have a very happy ending. Um, so I, know, you know, I thought La Traviata was particularly uplifting. <laughs> um, but you know, so so obviously we've kind of kind of got this kind of fire, sorry, fire sorry. That, is the, that is the most highbrow joke on a Warhammer podcast I've ever heard. No, I I literally I didn't get that. I, I mean, me, me, and, me and Jay used to talk about Love Island, so I mean that's similar. <laughs> yeah. It is similar. It sure. is similar. There's just more singing. Um, um. I mean, you try and have less death on Love Island, but but yes. Anyway, um, so yeah, the you know you've got got this kind of um, essentially you know the the setting is you've got these different guilds who are kind of like aristocratic. Um, they meet and have like lots of kind of masked balls and that sort of stuff. Um, politics is very much you know on the one hand it's very kind of like polite society, but on the other hand. Um, you, people are very willing to, you know, be the kingpin, or, and and the way that the system works, and actually, you, your characters have arrived at a good timing, I suppose, and that is election time on Nimrod, um, and and you know the the election will um, is to the the signora, which is the kind of council, the the senate, as it were, of the of the setting, and. Um, they're, they're electing essentially their president um, and there is you know there is a, a question about first of all how that's going to work because there can only be one and there's three rival families um, and there's also um, there's also a kind of unknown assailant who seems to be systematically eliminating um, members of the guilds and taking out kind of key people what their link is to what's going on whether it's coincidence whether it's whether it's kind of a bigger plan afoot is to be ascertained and a question for because i mean i know i've given a bit of an idea about what i think vidco might be up to but what do you think uh herman has been up to um, that's something that I'm still kind of processing and, and thinking about. Um, one, of, one of the things that struck me already is uh, that I think um, not all of the characters that I had in the previous setting would be appropriate in this setting. Um, so my kind of, um, I can't remember the character's name off the top of my head, which is silly, I should have done more prep. But Colin. 
Colin. Yeah, Colin, Colin, Colin. and um, his handler. Um, Jakarta? Uh, no, not Natalia Jacket. So I think she'll Jacket. be, she she will likely make an appearance. Um, but the she oh, she was great the last campaign just through being yeah, purely she didn't musical. really do she kind of showed up at the end, um, <laughs> which was was quite enjoyable. But I, I just think um, in terms of pursuing um, where it's it's not immediately afterwards. I don't feel um, I feel like they've they've gone back to. Um, gone back to base figured out okay this is what we're going to do next um and have then received an idea that vidco might be in the sector and that nimrod needs to be checked out and she's uh, also been goading them with transmissions yeah absolutely so within that there's less need for this kind of um tracking character yeah um who's like trying to figure out exactly what has um you know what what's going on and, and and who we're looking for so yeah we'll we'll see we'll see obviously Lars Herman is going to make an appearance um but whether he's kind of going in all guns blazing at this one considering it's outside of imperial authority mm. um he he very mal- he very well may be um held in a holding pattern or at least accessibly close but maybe still within imperial space um so i need to have a think about what warband is going to come along um because i I like the idea that um a bit like the distaff in eisenhorn there's there's a broader cast of characters who are used for their specific skills within the the kind of uh within the order hereticus and and this is thus far less of a kind of eradication team mission which may not be true by the end of the weekend um i don't know i'll be bringing i'll be bringing all the figures and and the the character sheets with me um but certainly from the outset it feels like a different pace of setting and it's going to require um something other than like based on some of the pictures i can imagine kind of florentine style balls and masked galas and things and I, i can't quite see lars herman I can see him at them, but I can't see him being remotely incognito at them in a way that would actually be pursuant to the mission. And I think he's at least smart enough to to realise that. So yeah, I've got I've got some thinking and planning to do. Um, you can stick a tux over some carapace. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was looking at I was looking at the Marvel Crisis Protocol Kingpin model because um, I haven't actually glued uh, Lars Herman's head on. It's got a nice kind of square peg. Mm. Um, assembly so i actually painted it separately so i could do the face as well as i could um so i was kind of wondering about getting hold of the kingpin model if it's a similar stature um because it's kind of 54 uh, mil aren't they might be a bit big no they're 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 a similar scale actually um so yeah i've painted a few of the star wars legion models it's it is it's heroic scale it's definitely 32 not 28 but mo- most of the 40k stuff has crept in that direction and for someone like Lars Herman I think I suspect that that's a similar that's about the right size mm-hmm. it may yeah. not be and I may I may choose to do something else as I said but um it, it struck me as like if he was going to go then probably showing up in like shiny black carapace armor with a with a massive hammer and a plasma pistol is probably less mm-hmm. less like the word subtlety might be important. yeah um, you um get asked to leave stuff in the cloak room aren't you absolutely it, it was interesting you know one of the things you said about the setting um is that it's so 
it's set essentially the veiled region is you know right on the edge of imperial space and a bit like with the petrograd setting i wanted a setting where the inquisitors aren't able to just walk in and say right well yeah. everyone now does what i say because otherwise you know that kind of defeats the tension of the yeah, campaign here's my inquisitorial seal give me all the information yeah or yeah. i will or i will exterminate you which is which is you know an issue whereas you know because the rogue trade because in the setting rogue traders have essentially the right to kind of act outside of imperial authority because they are acting on behalf of the emperor the Inquis inquisition doesn't actually have a mandate which is quite interesting you know they're essentially turning up a bit almost like interpol at like a at like a non you know non nation and so there might be some jurisdictional conflict. Yeah, I, I, South Park episode: the British are coming. I, I can I can imagine you know like a, a an inquisitor kind of saying, "I'm an inquisitor. Tell me what I want." And I'm just going, uh, "No, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for your interest, but no thanks." Yeah, um, yeah, it should be interesting. I, I actually think um, that in particular, Mike Mike's character Macalor is going to. Have really a lot more opportunity to yeah. be himself yeah. in this setting, as opposed to. I, I like to think that I, I like to think that Macalor's already pretty well known. <laughs> He's probably been hanging out there for probably the last thousand years. That's well, why no one's seen him. There are a lot of fairly interesting places, you know, within this setting. Because so, so Nimrod, it, it's because I'm a bit of a you know nerd of these things. Nimrod is the is the biblical character who builds the Tower of Babel which is yep. kind of this tower to um, essentially kind of elevate humanity status to God status. And it, it is cast down. So whether or not there is some reference to that in the campaign, you will have to see. Mm. Um, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting one in terms of kind of the, the dichotomy and, you know, how the characters will interact because there'll definitely be some kind of fish out of water kind of settings um, where, you know, where, Inquisitors aren't going to be able to just kind of like browbeat people into doing what they want. And um, as I say, you know, within the setting, there's a lot of fairly shady stuff that goes on. There's a lot of aliens. Uh, it's essentially like a free port. So, um, yeah. so, you know, there's alien traders, there's black markets, dealers, which Alex is um, hopefully helping to prepare us for with some very good Necromunda releases, which just happened to have yeah. arrived. <laughs> Conveniently. Conveniently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's that's, that's yeah. actually good progress, and that's nearly done the market. So awesome. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. It's um it, it's definitely something I mean you will you there will be a lot of surprises, um, is all I will say. But um but you will also see some tie backs to the first campaign that perhaps things were overlooked in the first campaign that you will I'm certain they were. That that you will um, mostly because Colin bit their heads off. Yeah, I was going to say there was a whole character that didn't even get to do anything, did he? Because he got his head ripped off. So. But but there was there was references to things in the first campaign that will kind of come in the second campaign, and people will be cool. like, oh, like I didn't think that was important, but actually it is important. Yeah. What was the name of that rogue trader who had such a horrible time? Oh, that's Tim. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I can. Tim the uh, Tim the anatomyless, well, anatomically challenged. Was um, indeed. There is not only so much bionics can repair. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's even, that's even beyond Vidco, that one, I'm afraid. So, we made an awful lot of system shot rolls uh, during that weekend. Mm. It was horrible. Um, just as we kind of, I'd, I'd like to jump onto Necromunda in just a minute so that we don't have like a, a really long episode for people, but um, I, I worked at Salute this year um, selling paint for uh, Exit 23 games, uh, selling the Turbo Dork paints I've talked about a bit before. And they had uh, the Conclave's Inquisitor table at the event which I, I stopped by for a couple of minutes um, on like the one break that we had time for because paint was so popular. Um, it was really cool to see it in the wild because um, obviously, George, we, we've played loads in the past and we've gone and done the Conclave meetups at the uh, at Warhammer World. But having kind of gone out on our own for, <laughs> for 10 years, it was really exciting to kind of go, oh, yeah, we're not actually the only people in the world still playing this. It is still limited. But um, they had their 54 mil um, recreation of one of the terrain maps from the uh, actual 2001 Inquisitor rulebook. Um, they had an Inquisitor scale, like 54 mil scale Sentinel and a Rhino. And so cool. um, they had all of the characters in both 54 mil and 28 mil. So they were playing different scenarios throughout mm -hmm. the day. And I just thought, this is such a cool and visual um visual game and the, the amount of depth that you can go into i mean as we've just talked about for the last 20 minutes or so like even just creating the setting let alone playing out the like human narrative and and semi-human narrative stories within it like it's just the detail never ceases to kind of amaze me for it it's it's also like although the rule set is complicated like the actual buy-in to playing it is super accessible because you yeah. know the rules are all free and you only need like three models and i, yeah. I actually did I did an intro game for um, some local club um, where I've been playing at, and he's he loves it, and um, he's got a friend who wants to play as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll whether or not I just re-roll the Heart of Petrograd campaign and have like a kind of bizarro universe. Or something yeah, like why not? Happening. Um, the, the, you know the the multiverse. Yeah, exactly. Um, but well, you know. it's it's super easy. You know, you only need to paint like two three models, and you're and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, just use, just use the training app. One of the things that really struck me as someone who owns a lot of 54 mil models and has now created and painted 28 mil Inquisitor models was how good the detail is now on plastic models. Like I knew that that was true and I knew that it was true whilst painting them, but then seeing, and this is no denigration of the miniatures and actually some of them were beautifully sculpted and painted mm. um, at, at Salute but you can get better detail now in 2021 and with the Blackstone Fortress releases a couple of years ago up to the present day, modern day 40K models are significantly better detailed at 32, at 28 mil, 32 mil than the 54 mil models were 20 years ago. Yeah. And I, I know that they were just trying to do something different when Jervis and Gav and um, John Blanche put together Inquisitor, the battle for the Emperor's soul. But I, I, I wonder if that would have been as easy a, decision to make to explore a different scale if they'd had the technology and the prowess that is available to the studio now because when i look at the sisters of battle range gene steeler cults range the necromunda stuff has been so fundamental in terms of accessibility because we were able to just rock up and there's a pre-made terrain set just from what is like readily available to 40k and, and necromunda players so it's it's an exciting time to play it um, obviously, we're going to be talking more, much more 
much more about Inquisitor in 2022, which I'd kind of like forgotten about in the last few weeks of stress and I'm now very excited about again. But as, as we were just saying, uh, you know, George was able to play an intro game really easily uh, with the resources available. Um, the conclave.co.uk uh, Inquisitor Forum has a lot of these things as PDFs. You should be able to get them on Reddit as well. The Living Rulebook is available online. Um, I cannot recommend playing it enough. I know we were saying about 500 point games of Age of Sigmar, but if you have like a couple of 40K models, yeah, you can literally play. Play some Inquisitor. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you like Dungeons it. and Dragons, yeah. if you like Dungeons and Dragons, it's not that dissimilar. No, um, not at all. And and it's essentially Dungeons and Dragons with a slightly more like slightly more advanced combat system, I guess, to reflect the you know having like different levels and scales and stuff. But, but it's, just like, more, it's, more just, it's just it's just it's just yeah, it's just way more customizable. But also, yeah. it's designed to be a, a proper tabletop RPG, which D and D now is more theatre of the mind isn't it so it needs to be a bit simpler so okay so so play some inquisitor treat yourself <laughs> um so uh i think we're going to take a short break and then we're going to have a bit of a chat about um necromunda and recent releases and painting and, and where the game is right now so join us after this Welcome back. Uh, so in the open section today, that was probably quite loud in Alex's ears. I've just clapped so uh, <laughs> no, that so that I can see where it is to edit it. Uh, so if you can still hear George saying goodbye and that sort of thing, then I'm not really good at editing. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so Alex and I are going to have a, a quick chat about Necromunda. And I'd like to start by apologising for not being available for the Ash Waste Day, which I was really gutted about. But it's been a tricky year organising things for Necromunda, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say that that Ash Waste, we have, I, Matt and I played some Ash Waste for a day, but we knew Rob wasn't going to be in the country, and we, and then you weren't able to make it, and Donald's obviously um, moved. And I, moved. I think, I think Donald's could, I think Donald wants to come, but obviously that was the weekend he was moving, so it was yes. difficult. Uh, but Matt had the added kind of time bomb element of um, inevitably uh, becoming a dad. Yes. So well, both we, he and Donal have done so since that day. That's that's very true. So um, we have played a good day of it. It was so that Matt could get uh, his toys on the table and we have some fun, etc. But I think there's still, um, you know, it, it's it's really cool. It's really good fun. So it's fine. We're going to do it. We're, we're going to do more of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, however, Necromunda uh, has somewhat um moved on quite a lot since i think i was last on um yeah. i think we've um we've had at least a couple so definitely house of faith and house of shadow have come out since i was last on i'm pretty certain i didn't get an opportunity to talk about house of artifice either. yeah no we didn't at all because i um, actually saw some really beautifully painted uh redemptionists um on someone's instagram a couple of days ago and i went Oh shit! Yeah, they came out. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So we, we've we've not talked about it, and there's there's a re, there's a redeemer model now as well. And yeah, Clovis is back. Yeah. He's out. Um, yeah. which is I wasn't going to buy the redeemer kit, but I think I'm now that Clovis is out, it might be just enough to sway me. Actually. Yeah. I mean, he'd um, make a good um the redemptionist character for Inquisitor. Just jumping back five minutes. Uh, I think, yeah. Well, I mean, any of the plastic minis out of that fair, box. Yeah. Would be, 
Um, oh, and they've got masks, haven't they? Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kind. And they're kind of. And they're kind of robed, which you could argue could be a dress yeah, suit. I may have just spent twenty quid in my head. That's fine. I, it's fine. Life continues. I mean, I'm about to probably drop uh, twenty-five quid on the Knack School box for the Delac because I still haven't painted. Yeah, I haven't my... seen those either. They look really good. Ah, oh, they're lovely. Um, and I think having played Orlock for so long, uh, Orlock being the kind of nicely middle of the road, sturdy, reliable, hail of yep. bullets, lots of blasting yep. charges. It's a, it's bullets and bombs basically. Here's, here's some um, humans with goggles and bandanas. Yeah. Check. Yeah, um, they, they may or may not ride bikes. Um, yeah. While Delac, are, I, I kind of where I'm focusing my efforts next because they're more the, the, the opposite. It's the, the sneaky, stabby, yeah. um, whisper in the ear kind of thing. So, But um, the main thing I wanted to talk about today um, for those, just because it's new content and it would be nice to talk about something relatively contemporary, is the book of Outcast. Okay. Um, yes, th- which like just the release of people's dreams surely there it is um this is not a youtube channel but i've now seen the book of outcast in our <laughs> um so i think probably a lot of people out there i think one thing about necromunda plays is sometimes you do tend there's two there's two ways to go and you either drop your money instantly on the all the new stuff because you just want it or sometimes you wait to hear the reviews so i thought i'd give my lowdown i've played a lot of necromunda well particularly over the last 20 years but certainly over the last few um, yeah and uh, I can honestly say, if you want the review in one sentence, that this is the best book they've done yet. Wow. Okay. Um, it's everybody wants it. So if you remember the Outlanders from yes. way back when, yeah. The reason that book was amazing was because Necromunda was already really, really cool, but Andy Chambers took that book and went, "How do we make this even cooler? How do we build the world out? How do we give you the flexibility?" Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have had the new edition of Necromunda be as broad in its um, access to other hive cities, to the Ash Waste, without Outlanders. Mm. um, We we wouldn't have known anything really beyond Hive Primus, right? Exactly, and and it's now built the world of Necromunda, because the game's called Necromunda, not Hive Primus. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That's um, essentially what this book is doing. However, what is when you boil it down to its core, what I find really funny is that when they said there was going to be this mysterious like seventh book outside yeah. of the sixth one, everyone was like, "Oh, it's going to be the Ash Waste. It's going to be going to get vehicles. We're going to get um, a, a reimagination of the Rat Skins. We're going to get uh, yeah. Scavies. Going to and everyone's like, imaginations are running wild. Oh, what could it be? What could it be?" It's actually just a load of NPCs that have gone to the market. Wow. Okay. It's essentially what it is, but it's still brilliant. Because yeah. just to, so just to run run you like get kind of give a bit of a lowdown. There's arguably, I think, three reasons for buying the book. Um, number one is it expands the canon, which is a delight to read. I find particularly now with the specialist game studios, the, the guys are just like they're, they're just in it for the detail they love it yeah. um so the quality of the writing and the canon is great they know they've got um, a different audience to say 40k or aos don't they well i mean we've just spent ages banging on about inquisitor but it's fair to say necromunda is the tabletop rpg game yes. that gw currently manufacture and support they're certainly not interested um, in game balance 
no, it's 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 a woefully imbalanced game, but that's not why you play it. So you know that that you just if you're looking for a balanced game, then a AOS will, well uh, chess, the, the, yeah, <laughs> Scrabble. So um, so you know it, it is an RPG book, and that's the point. There's been some terrain kits that have come out the market. The market is in wonderful kit. I had a lot of fun building that. I think I even tweeted GW at the time to say that that's um, one of the yeah. Uh, nicest kits I've had to build. It's really simple, which is really characterful. Uh, so there's that, the canon, and the way that the, the new terrain ties into that canon, that this idea that we're now focusing down, we've, we've got the big broad houses, but now we're looking at how does the common person survive, right? How yeah. do they, what do they need to do? Particularly if it all goes wrong, you end up on the wrong side of the law or whatever, what, what yeah. is it that you can actually do? Because this is the Wild West element, and this is what when Rick Priestley was coming up with the game, was a really core component of, of if it, it was the sci-fi uh, apocalypse yeah. Wild West. So there's that. The next bit it's, is... It's actually closer to the um, the origins of the game in Confrontation, uh, which yeah. is forerunner to Necromunda, um, where it's there's, there's less well-defined house structures um, and those sorts of things. And you might have mentions to the houses and the guilds, but it was a lot more laissez-faire and like you you've got a motley crew of guys and it was it was more like your general kind of steampunk or um post-apocalyptic gang warfare type game so i mean you could go like gorka style on it you could you could lean into vehicles and like it was just whatever you want it was a bit more sandboxy um so i think once you've then got those really well-defined power structures and political structures within the setting it makes loads of sense to go well who's everyone else because not everybody can be from one of the top six houses surely no, not everybody and actually no. a lot of the literature of uh, necromunda even from the edition in 2003 2004 that wasn't focused really on anybody from the main houses and actually your your main fictional interaction with those characters would come through somebody like cal jericho and any of the other books um would be you know like hired gun or something like that they would be very much from the view of like a bounty hunter or somebody who works in the slag mines or something yeah um, exactly. so giving them playable roles is really smart and, and that's exactly so you've segued nicely into the into the, the, the second reason to get this book and that is you can do exactly that so yep. there's a whole new gang composition um so there's the classic so the classic big six composition is you've got your leaders your champs your gangers your jews and now we've got a variation of those as well so we've got kind of juve plus and champion plus generally yep. speaking uh, and possibly some sort of exotic pet or something that's seen as more a bit of war gear yeah um what the outcast gang composition does is um actually allow you to get a lot more use out of stuff that you might already have or stuff okay. that you might wanted to build but had no purpose in a rules way to do so mm -hmm. You, we've always had venators, which are meant to be these kind of bounty hunter games, but they don't quite work in the same way that, in the sense that you can't get. Um, well, they are, they're just gangs of bounty hunters, right? They still don't cover, yeah. So, we now have um, a gang composition where you can uh, essentially for free pick any of the dramatis personae that have been released. Yeah. So, that's the, all of the Forge World models, yeah, can be your gang leader. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is great because I think 
one of the things that's always disappointed me with the dramatis persona is because often they're really great models and never use them in game. Yeah. Because in a campaign... Yeah, the I only think... time I've ever used one was when we did a no points game with Rob where I took Gore Halfhorn because it was the same cost as taking a specialist and we decided not to do that. So, like, I, I own probably not quite as many as you, but I, I own a lot of them. Mm. And I've not I've only used him in that one game. Yeah, I've um, used... And, and as a result, he's the only one I've painted as well. Because exactly. I wanted to. And then my painting intentions and time has gone into stuff that I'm using. Uh, and I'd love to I'd love to get a few more of those. Like I've got the cool the guy with the like tower drone style hat and the drawing the pistol. Slag slag mist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd love to paint those, yeah. but there's no well, reason. Well, there, is, there is there is now because you could do so that not only could you have him as the dramatis persona, when you yeah. build the gang around that, you have to give them an affiliation. And one of those is a merchant guild. Cool. So you can now have the, the water guild gang led by slag mist or led by the the other cool kind of um yeah there's parts of guild kind of, yeah uh, uh, uh that came out with the the kind of big um uh big daddy style yeah role. i was gonna say yeah, yeah um and i imagine that's gonna be really popular i noticed that when this book came out there's um slaver entourage that was in house of chains sold out immediately because that's yeah. now rather than just being a weird add-on you can build a gang around that okay um so that's all great. And it's, it's, I just think it's a really nice way. It's 25 quid on a book that then allows you to access a lot of existing stuff that you may already have or may have been thinking of wanting to get and had no reason to do so. It's um, also a really smart tactic on their part in terms of selling those, like those, those 18, 19 pound models that are really stunning. And you yeah. might just want to buy one to paint, but you're like, I've got my gang. I've, I've yeah. bought into Necromunda. I, I'm going to resist that one model. I'll do something else. Maybe I'll buy an infinity model or maybe I'll buy a model crisis protocol model. If you've got that book, you're going to go, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm buying the, the exactly. weird, yeah. uh, the weird like Necromunda model that I wanted and I'll make a gang with it. Yeah, because you've, if you've managed to get your hands on the um, outcast models, which yeah. uh, I thankfully did, but I appreciate that they've almost immediately gone completely out of stock. I mean, I assume they'll do a reprint. Yeah, they um, will. The, the fact is that that's just a box of 10 generic dudes yeah. um, and dudettes, because there's some uh, representation yeah, yeah. going in that box, which is nice. Um, and the... But they are so NPC, so generic, yep. you could buy those, paint those up in a very generic, neutral way, and then the value, the replay value, is just swapping out that leader, just yep. or swapping out that um, hired gun, or just creating the theme through that, and that's so easily done in the new gun composition. There's no juice. It's a really around. good way. If you were to buy like the Water Guild models specifically, you could build two or three of because presumably the big guy is quite expensive. You could sure. build two or three of your outlaw box yeah. and paint them in the colours of that Water Guild. And then if you also had the the squat guys, you could have uh, like an engineers gang uh, yeah. and you might build two or three models for like you. I think something that I've noticed is that I still have like for example I still have some goliaths on sprue because I bought two boxes to do a full gang roster and because I eventually built out into um other other parts of it you, you end up with some of the standard gangers left over and I yes. think it's going to be a similar thing like you could of course build all 10 or however many there are of the outlaws but 
actually you probably won't use them all immediately because right. you're going to be putting in those right. resin models and maybe some of your original gangers or, or whatever or like yeah. your homebrew kit bashes <laughs> your inquisitor models why not um and then you you potentially have the conversion opportunities to do something totally different um for for another use or or, or do half of them in one paint scheme or something else like for me that kit was very nearly a purchase it came out the same week as something else that i needed to buy so it wasn't it came out with some aos stuff i believe yeah yeah um i mean possibly the dragons in fact maybe yeah um so uh that's again staying on the game composition i'm going to circle back round to the models because yep. i do have one critique of them but it's also i can see why it's yeah, yeah. Um, happened um so you could do that dramatis personae awesome yep. or you build your leader completely custom. And the way that works is that you pick an archetype for them. So there's a gunslinger archetype where, so all the stats are fixed, but yeah. it might be, but they then have different access to different elements of the skill tree. Okay. Okay. So you might go with, uh, if I've left the book in the right place. Yeah. Brawler, who are essentially brutes. So they've got their primary access skill-wise of brawn and ferocity. So it's essentially a Goliath type build. Yeah. Gunslinger, so that's kind of more your Vansari. Um, in fact, one, two, three, four. There's five different archetypes, so probably one of the archetypes isn't quite here. It's probably the Orlock one, so it's straight down the middle. Survivor, where primary is um, ferocity and combat. Um, you've got a mastermind, which is more to do with cunning. So the cunning skills are things like being on Overwatch or being able to infiltrate or things like that. Black kind of. And, Kind of, yeah. However, my favourite one is Weird. Yep. And what this book also introduced in terms of that building out your mind world mm -hmm. um, is you finally have a whole six pages dedicated to Weird Powers. Oh, so okay. You, so you can build a leader and a little bit like in um, the high days of um, fantasy magic, yeah. You can really get under the um, skin of picking it. Well, my weird is going to be a pyromancer and he's going to have yeah. this skill. And, and, you, and you can just select that and just create these really flavorful and characterful um, gangs. And it's great. Um, so, yeah, you've just got a lot of kind of customizable content there as well that you can that you can build. So, and they're not a comp that I, I say that. But actually, it's very streamlined and very simple what you've got to do. So actually, it, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't discourage somebody who's new to the game from this book either. Actually, genuinely yeah. speaking. Um, well, I mean, if it's every everything else is out right, and if this is a you can build yourself a generic gang, it's actually probably a more useful starting place, ironically, than like House of Chains or um, one of the others, because it's like, well, buy some models and build build what you want. Yeah. Um, the, the, and the, if, you, if you're not if you're not already invested in the law of the six main houses, then each of those pre-existing house books is actually quite dense to get into because you won't you won't have any obvious understanding as to the mechanics behind the force organization. Um, I mean, even you know, I've had Goliath gangs stretching back to the late nineties, and reading House of Chains, I had to go through it a couple of times to get my head around the new kind of force organization because they changed the law and updated it. So I had to understand about these new roles within because they'd expanded it so much. I was like, mm -hmm. well, I didn't understand straight away 
at all as someone well versed in gaming um that they changed the literal names and like keywords of champions and um well you know whatever this the second kind of tier is so actually a book that's just like you can build gangs how you want is going to be a better starting point for people yeah absolutely and it's again nice segue on to my one critique of this entire release which is the models because the sprues for those models is a bit meh oh really it's a, it's a bit it's not and but it's also why it's good like so when you look at the, the, the all of the heads are a simple ball socket joint yep. which is fine but that, that does limit what kind of poses you can get um, obviously, you can turn their head any which way, but you're not going to get the kind of summon. You're basically you're not getting some of that really beautiful dyna- dynamicism that you're used to in some of the more kind of push fit style models that we're seeing now. Particularly yeah. looking at the new Stormcast release. But, and this is the big but, the point is that these models are designed to work um, with a whole range of other kits, including most of the Gene Stealer cult stuff. Yeah, I saw the. I saw the sculptor himself on Instagram say, when I sat down and did this kit, I wanted to make sure that the joints were the same as Gene Steeler Colts and I think the Cadians as well. Yeah, exactly that. I think and there's the re- a lot of effort been made to exactly. make sure that people can kit bash because they know yeah. that as much as a lot of people are going to be buying them for Necromunda, there's also going to be people seeing them as a really good source of alternative poses for their 40k armies yeah absolutely so and so to get that utility out the kit was really important also like we just said um you might want to do a gang that's based around uh entirely around one of those forge world collections that you've got so yeah um you know the the nautical entourage or um the nautical siphoning delegation was the one that we were talking about earlier or um the slaver entourage but you may only want three dudes out of that box just to support that yeah, but you want them to look and feel completely different. So then you say keep your other ones on sprue, and then you pick out various new bits from your bits box or from yeah. the bits website, and then you build out your weird gang, that kind of thing, yeah. right? So it's um, it, it's there for a reason, and it is just because it's essentially the the, the twenty eight millimeter uh, sci fi human NPC sprue, right? yeah, which is um, going to be useful for us. Very useful. Uh, probably also why it. I think the, the reason the kit sold out so quickly is just because, like hell, that's just that's just a fun, uh, you know, a, a fun modeling project in the box, isn't it? So no, absolutely. I mean, anyway, anyway look, for 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 brevity's sake, the third and final reason to get into this book, if you are uh, just coming to the game, is there is a new campaign system in there. Uh, I won't go into too much detail, but essentially we've had the standard territory campaign, we've had the uprising campaign, we've had the law and order campaign, we've also got the Badlands campaign. Yeah. The suite of scenarios that have been, of new scenarios that are in here, uh, and the new system that's in here is essentially all about going out and building your settlement. 
So you build. Uh, so going back to the gang settlement box that you've been painting up recently, um, as well as the market ter terrain. So it's really encouraging you to buy those kits as well. It is. I mean, it's it's the book that supports that entire suite of terrain. It, I, it, I always found it a bit curious that the gang strongholds now have been out for so long. But that's yeah, fine. I was going to say it um, predates the new book, doesn't it? But significantly. Yeah. But um, the well, we know that. Here, we know that the release schedule this year and last was all kinds of messed Crazy. up. Yeah, all kinds of all kinds of. I, I imagine it's been held that the book that's been held up or the kits have been around for a while, probably. Has yeah, guess. Be. So anyway, it's um, it, it, if you're used to playing campaign play, there's nothing new in here that's going to blow your mind. But it's all about resource management, and it's just a little bit more streamlined in terms of the boons and things that you get. Um, the only again, the only critique is with all of these campaigns, GW seems to have this really optimistic view that you're going to run sort of 10 week long campaigns with your mates. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to see a little bit more skirmish play focused content because actually like we've discovered, if you truly want to get all your toys on the board, having a slow build gang that where you're accumulating credits over a small amount of time actually puts you off buying that cool forge world model it puts you off buying that cool weapon upgrade kit if you're never going to be able to afford it like yeah. i see guys all the time on twitter and instagram with like goliath things with like massive plasma cannons and stuff and i'm like yeah i should be so lucky and after yeah. i've paid like the the rents and you have to buy a new juve or whatever like because it's got horribly murdered i don't have <laughs> any credits left and i'm winning all my games with goliaths as well <laughs> yeah like, and like, i like I mean, I, I had a campaign where I stormed through with the buzzkills, my Orlock gang, and, I, yeah. and and even with all of that cash, I, I could never buy like a champion with a melted gun and a grappling no. hook and all this sort of stuff. Like, and I appreciate that's all modelling opportunity. Skirmish is essentially where you're going to get that in. So if you are listening, anyone at the studio, maybe a little bit more skirmish. Well, what content, I would say right? is it probably is worth an email to Sam Pearson because he's been... Uh, obviously working hard on uh, the book you're talking about as well as on Age of Sigmar 3.0 um, he is taking like direct feedback from people um, you know like and he you're talking about the Outlaws book from 20 years ago 25 years ago he tweeted a picture of that and said that it was very much his inspiration for doing uh, Outlanders um, uh, he, he tweeted a picture of that a few weeks before this book came out and said, look, this, I, I went back to the source and uh, he's really interested in that. So I, I think, yeah, a, approaching GW with ways you want to play it is one thing. Um, but I mean, you know, from my point of view, as someone who's played in your campaigns, we've we've been fine. <laughs> I don't think we've needed to up the power levels particularly. Um, oh, God, um, oh God, no, it's not about that. It's just if you want to get all, if you want to truly cool get all, all the toys on the table, yeah. you, you've got to... You, for me for my money you've just got to do some skirmish every now and again to have fun with yeah, that which so, which was a lot of fun yeah um i'm looking forward to getting uh some some vehicles on the table next year that will happen um and having a look at uh what this um outlaws book looks like too i think there's probably some gang comp in my figures collection that i could definitely play around with too so that sounds really cool yeah absolutely um yeah i can't wait to do a bit more ash waste and stuff it's um it's all very thematic so yeah looking forward to it great well i think that brings us to the end of our episode and this probably is going to be our last episode of 2021 uh, unless the winter faq comes out and a few of us can find an evening pre-christmas which seems unlikely but could happen um 
thank you for listening in 2021. Uh, I can't promise that we'll have a regular uh, release schedule in 2022, but I can promise you uh, that we will be playing games and that we will want to talk about them. So if you want to hear about them, uh, you know where we are. And um, if you follow us at AngelCast AOS on Twitter, that's probably the best place to get updates the day before <laughs> an episode <laughs> is going to come out. Uh, and that's about as good as it's going to get. So, Alex, it's been nice talking to you. Thank you. Uh, it was nice talking to George before he had to go and um, have dinner with his wife, which is reasonable. Um, yeah. Thanks to Jay Channer for the musical interludes. Uh, thanks for all our hosts this year. Uh, we're going to try and spread the net even wider in the Angel Club in 2022, particularly with people like Kieran storming the Age of Sigmar scene. With his yeah. first prince. He, I, I want to pick his brains about he, that. He needs to get on ASAP, and I'd be I'd really like to hear his lowdown on the Nurgle book yeah yeah and i know tim's been looking at that too so we will uh, bring you some or all of those things in the new year have a good one